पदेन वाचा मल शरीर से वैद्यकोपाकोत्तम प्रवर मुनीना पातंजलि प्राजलिरानस्मी So even the last class we were studying that section of the Patanjali Yoga Sutra, which deals with the subject where the Yoga Sutra is trying to establish its position in stating that the mind is not the conscious principle. the mind is a part of nature it appears to be conscious being associated with the conscious principle and now we will enter today into that section where into the sutra where the st- still that uh, the role of mind the role of nature of which mind is also a part in the uh, what you say in getting associated what's the role of nature in associating consciousness the consciousness when it gets associated what's the role the nature plays is it the is the is it the nature which is the master it just as if entails the slavery of the purusha it takes the purusha to as if have its own play going on because it cannot become active unless the purusha is in association with it so as if it subjugates the purusha to happen to make all the uh, phenomenal things which are happening to happen that to happen the nature is as if taking the prakriti uh, nature is as if taking the purusha to content that idea the sutra which we just started describing in the last class we will take up again today it is the 23rd sutra of the fourth chapter that nature is there to serve the purpose of purusha it is the purusha who is the master it is to serve the purpose of the conscious principle the, pur- the purusha the nature is there and for that the yoga sutra will give its own reason what it's saying तत्सेय वासनाइंड थ्रू हेज वेरियस इन्यूमरेबल सबकॉन्शियस इम्प्रेशन वासना देर आर सो मेनी डिजायर्स latent impressions in my mind there it is a mind is a conglomeration of all those vasanas innumerable that's what which binds us sri ramakrishna when passing by the side of a 
floating bridge across the Ganges. The Howrah Bridge was not there, but there used to be the floating bridges across the Ganges. And seeing one of the bridges, he saw that there are innumerable floating boats which had to keep them in the position with innumerable ropes, those boats have been tied to the bank on both the sides. There are so many ropes that have been tied to keep the boat anchored in that position so that those floating bridge, the, a bridge is made with the help of all those boats. That way you can cross over the river. Now seeing so many ropes tied to those boats to keep them in position, Sri Ramakrishna immediately remarked a very wonderful thing. He told, see, there are so many ropes. If by chance you cut one of the rope, nothing happens. The entire bridge will still be intact because there are innumerable ropes, thousands of ropes, which are still there to keep the boats in position. Even if one rope you cut, nothing happens. So what he actually indicated is the same idea here. Asamkheya vasana that in our life, sometimes we find that we get obsessed by so many things. And we find that it is as if hampering my spiritual journey. Not only spiritual journey, even in our day-to-day -day life, our obsessions can be detrimental even for our overall worldly progress. I get hooked to certain obsessions and that starts interfering with the normal way of my life and I find it so difficult just to get rid of one such desire. And in my mind, there are innumerable desires. And all the religion says, the only way of liberation is to get rid of desires. There's not a single religion which will say that by fulfilling the desires, you are going to have spiritual illumination. It is the elimination of the desires, annihilation of the desires. That's the common thing. So now the question comes, if annihilation of the desire is the only criteria for liberation, then it's almost impossible. There are so many vasanas, some are manifested in this life and there are many which are not manifested. To give a common example, suppose I enjoyed a delicacy in a particular restaurant and I forgot about it. As I was busy with my day-to-day -day life, I forgot. And by chance, I was passing by the road and just was passing just down that restaurant. Just seeing that restaurant, that past impression immediately revives back. Oh, I enjoyed such and such delicacy here. And immediately you feel tempted to park your car and just go and have the same delicacy again. It happens in our life. Why I'm speaking so? That that vasana somehow was hidden. I forgot about it. My daily uh, activities of life, my other responsibilities made me forget about it. But again, when the favorable circumstance came, the, when I was passing down the same restaurant, just by the sight of that, that vasana immediately was revoked. So there are many vasanas of which I am not aware now, but they are in my mind. If the circumstances change, I will find those vasanas are getting manifested. And we don't know there are so many vasanas. In the process of our 
biological evolution at every stage, whatever desires we develop out of necessity that was not lost, they're all stored in the storehouse of chitta and they're innumerable. Now to get rid of one desire is itself as if a struggle for life. How can I get rid of desires? And that's the only way for liberation. So that's the big question. So here, that question will be taken up as we go to the last few sutras, that how liberation is possible. We have indicated many times previously, but here the main content is that there are many vasanas and that has kept my individual personality intact. There are so many innumerable ropes which are holding me together. That floating, my personality is like that floating bridge, which is kept intact by so many ropes. So now a very interesting proposition Yoga Sutra is bringing. But they say in this world, you just show a single instance where there's a unit, which is a conglomeration of various parts, various constituents. Just the room in which I am sitting. <clears throat> it is made of what are the constituents? There is wood, there are bricks, mortar, cement, electric lines, <coughs> sorry. This, all the electronic gadgets, so many things constitutes this room, the furniture, the chair, the table. Does the room, this unit serve any purpose for any of those constituents? Is the room of any use for the chair? No. Is the room any use for the electrical or electronic gadgets which I'm using or the brick or the cement, or the mortar, or the wood. The room doesn't serve any purpose for them. So this is a wonderful proposition which Yoga Sutra through inference is bringing. That show me a single instance in this world where you have a conglomerate, a unit, which is a conglomerate of various constituents. Does that unit serve any purpose for any of those constituents? Never. And for whom it serves a purpose? It serves a purpose for some entity which is not a constituent of that unit. Here in this room, serves a purpose for whom? For all the devotees who come here. For chanting, for meditating, for attending any celebration, event. For, they are not the constituent of the room. They are coming from outside. So they are the parartha. So they are not a part of this. So it is serving the purpose of someone who is not the constituent. Now mind with so many innumerable mental modules, each module speaks of a particular type of vasana. How can that conglomerate serve the purpose for itself? It must be serving the purpose for someone which is not a part of that. And from that, the inference of the Purusha. This is another, so many inferences previously we have gone through. This is the last inference which yoga philosophy is bringing into picture. That if the mind is a conglomerate of innumerable asamkhya vasana, it must be serving the purpose of someone which is not a constituent of it. Now, what's the purpose itself? Now I understand that, yeah, 
a conscious principle which is not a constituent of the mind, which is apart from the mind, to serve the purpose of the Purusha, the Prakriti, the mind, which is a evolute of the Prakriti, is there. So now the question comes, very pertinent question, that what's the purpose the Prakriti serves for Purusha? As per Artha, it is serving the purpose for someone else. So what's the purpose? The purpose is Bhoga and Apavarga. It takes us through various experiences of life and that way it is teaching us. We somehow being bound down by ignorance have as if entered into the wilderness of Prakriti. Just the way sometimes to enjoy the environment of the forest, the, just to enjoy uh, the scenario of the forest. We enter into the wilderness of the forest, the forest, and we lose our, we, we get lost. We don't find the way out, we get lost. So somehow the Purusha entered into the wilderness of Prakriti and got lost. That's the ignorance. That's the kind that how it happened, we don't know, but it has happened. The Purusha got associated with the Prakriti and it started, the Prakriti got enlivened and it started thinking, I am it. Now, the Prakriti is a very faithful servant of the Purusha. It in no way exploits the Purusha. It's there to serve its master. How it serves? Through Bhoga and Apavarga. It will take you through the various experiences as a bhoga. At last, showing you the way out of it. You got caught up in this wilderness, it will show you the way out of it, leading you to the liberation. So for this purpose, the prakriti is there for taking us through this wilderness, through experience, and at last ending up in liberation. To understand this idea, we will, we will resort to one of the parables of Sri Ramakrishna. These parables helps us wonderfully to understand the very abstruse ideas of philosophy. Sri Ramakrishna, one of the parables is very interesting. He is relating in the gospel of Sri Ramakrishna that a person entered into the forest, into the jungle and got lost. And he never knew where's the way out. He was roaming hither and thither, here and there, not finding the way out. And then suddenly he found that three dacoits, he's being bound by three dacoits. The three dacoits are chasing him. They got hold of him. One of the dacoits told, just they snatched away whatever he had, whatever wealth he had, whatever money he had, they snatched away. After snatching away, one of the dacoits told, now this purpose, this person is of no use. Whatever wealth he had, we have taken away. So why to just keep him alive? Let us kill him. The second person, the second dacoit told, why to kill him? Or that our fear is that he may go and report the police. So why to kill him? Better we tie him. Yes, there's a stump. There's a stump of a tree. We tie him tightly so that he cannot escape out of the forest. 
we need not kill him. Just tie him and let us leave. So the three agreed. They tied him nicely on the stump of a tree and the three dacoits left. And this person just was waiting to die. He knew that he's going to die out of hunger and thirst if he just cannot be released. He's in no way he can go back. He cannot find his way out. So he was just waiting for death. And suddenly he saw the third dacoit who was silent, who was just following the instructions of the other two, he came back. And he seemed to be a bit compassionate. He told, oh, most probably it's, it has hurt you a lot. They have to, that we, You have been tied so tightly. So let me release you. So he released the bond. And then he told, it's impossible for you to find the way out in this wilderness. Follow me. I will show you the way. So now this man was just following the third dacoit and they came at the almost at the end of the jungle of the forest and now the dacoit pointed see your village that's your village far away can you see then this man could see that uh, that's uh, in the in the almost in the ocean of this agricultural field the cultivated land in india you can see that all those this land meant for agriculture, it's like ocean. And suddenly, like a oasis, a village can be seen at a distance. So he told, can you see that this village far away? That's your village. So now you proceed. You have seen, now you are, you have, you are out of the forest, out of the wilderness, so I proceed. Now this man was highly grateful to this third dacoit. He told, you have shown me the way, you have saved me. Why not tonight? You come with me. You just accompany me. You be my guest. I want to have you as my guest. Just stay with me one night. Tomorrow morning again you can come back. Now this third dacoit replied, I cannot go there. I have shown you the path, but I cannot go there. Because the police is waiting there to catch me. And saying that the man is released. Now he can go. This third dacoit goes back deep into the forest. So after saying this, Ramakrishna says that the story, what it indicates, the one of the dacoits who told that bind him, he is the rajas, that this entire prakriti is constituted of three gunas, sattva, raja, tama. Now rajas binds us. How? All through our ambition through our eshanas, desires, putraishana, vittaishana, yashaishana, through all these desires, it binds us. You know, we want to fulfill the desires and in fulfilling our desires, they become the sanskaras, the necessity becomes an obsession and we find we are bound by those obsession. That's what has happened. We are so obsessed. The things which we need that has actually got converted into obsession. And that's how the rajas bounds. It binds. And what's tamas? Once we are bound by the rajas, tamas is the, which is the thing which destroys us. Once we are obsessed, what happens? We forget the necessity. We overdo. We just, the obsession makes us overdo the thing. The food I like if I take for nutrition, it is good for me. But if I become a glutton, 
it is going to harm me all the lifestyle disease will ensue from that so this tendency to harm yourself to destroy yourself because of your obsessions is tamas so rajas minds tamas kills destroys so those two decorates represent the rajas and the tamas but the third decorate the compassionate one is the sattva who shows the way out all the spiritual practices are part of nature after all it is with the mind you have to do your spiritual practice whether you are devotional thinking of god contemplating on god that's the work of your mind whether you think yourself as the atman the brahman you are a gyani it's a contemplation of the mind it's the same mind in this mind now you try to generate pragyavritti the vritti which speaks of wisdom discrimination that i am not this body mind complex i am the conscious principle behind it i have to identify myself with the conscious principle and just be detached to this psychophysical existence i go through my life but always i try to be aware of the fact that i am the witness i am not in the flow i am apart from the flow witnessing the flow the flow which finds expression as my body mind complex the mind is flowing the body is constantly changing i am the eternal one without any change behind that observing it this idea which i get from the scriptures from my guru i can start contemplating on it but with what you are contemplating with the mind even when you say i am not the mind i am the conscious principle who is saying it's the mind so with the mind you are contemplating you are not the mind so that is also a part of prakriti but this is the part of prakriti which helps you for apavarga for liberation it is showing you the way out but a time will come in vedanta in yoga they say that liberation speaks of transcending the mind mind is not the atman mind can take us to the edge of the forest of the wilderness of prakriti there its works ends now i have to transcend the mind and that's the thing which will take me to the direct realization till now everything was inference so this infer and now the yoga this yoga sutra in the next sutra will speak that after all what we spoke of are all inferences there is something called direct realization seeing the truth face to face unless that happens everything is just noise sri ramakrishna is another example you will understand what's the noise when from a distant you are going towards the market from a distant all appears to be just a mere noise as you go near when you are in the market you find all are bargaining they are just calling out the price others are bargaining all those you can hear distinctly but when you were at a distance it was just a mere noise it just a humming noise so sri ramakrishna says there's all this anumana through the scriptures all these inferences through the scripture is like mere noise it can never give me the realization the realization which has been spoken of as vishesha darshana there are two types of darshana samanya darshana and vishesha darshana that 
what it speaks of that for any inference samanya darshana is sufficient with that i can infer to give an example i have seen that whenever there is a fire it is accompanied with smoke now we have seen that uh, whenever in the summer season there is in the last year that we had that forest fire i still remember since from sydney when i was in sydney from there the blue mountains are not visible but in blue mountains if there was forest fire we knew sitting in the ashram how because the entire sky will become smoky even in sydney sitting in sydney you can see the smoke in the sky from that immediately you know you cannot you don't see the fire but by the samanya but by this general uh, characteristics you can immediately infer that there is fire so till now what we were discussing was just the smoke from which we were inferring about the fire but smoke may be for some other reasons also it may need not be fire sometimes we may be deluded by seeing the smoke and thinking that fire is there the only proof of fire is a vishesha darshana seeing the smoke if i approach and at last see the fire i'm convinced the fire is there so now after all these inferences the next sutra yoga sutra will say that after all the purusha which of which we are speaking of is not mere inference it can be realized and how it can, when when you realize that then all these thoughts at present i am thinking i am the atman i am not the mind it is the mind which is thinking that stops atma this bhava bhavana nivritti so let us read the 24th sutra and then we will go to the discussion vishesha darshina atma bhava bhavana nivritti the one who has realized the purusha vishesha darshana as we were telling he has realized not it is no more samanya darshan it is a vishesha darshana the one who has realized the self as if face to face such a person is vishesha darshina for him what happens atma bhava bhavana nivritti now this very these words are so poignant so how nicely they have chosen the words atma bhava bhavana there are so many thoughts of this for my spiritual journey i have chosen a particular thought what is that atma bhava to constantly think that you are the atman this is the bhavana atma bhava bhavana and this is the thing which has helped me to get rid of all other thoughts this one thought had cleansed all the thoughts through the through my assiduous practice and at last this is the predominant thought in my mind at present all the distractions doesn't allow me to keep my mind engaged in atma bhava bhavana but through assiduous practice this has become the stable state of my mind that i find that even unconsciously spontaneously i am thinking always of my spiritual nature but that is also with the mind it's not apart from the mind so here what the sutra is saying is very interesting that ultimately we go beyond that thought that stops nivritti means it ceases the once you see the your real nature 
you get established in your real nature. The realization happens. Then all these thoughts falls off, scissors. There's no need for that. Now you have went to the realization. So this is the thing which Yoga Sutra is indicating. That don't think that Atman is just a thing to be known through inference. It can be realized. As in Vedanta, there is a term Aparoksha Anubhuti. These terms are so poignant. At present, what we see is just the map of reality. We can never see the reality. Because we have to use the senses. We cannot think of any perception without the senses. The conscious principle with the help of senses. The senses are paroksha, which is something apart from me. In all the Indian languages, par means the one who is apart from me. Par, who is not me. Par, aparo, aparoksha. Aparoksha means what? Aparoksha, which is not direct, which is not without the help of any other, uh, what you say, the crutches. At present, I have to use my crutch for all the perceptions. These eyes, the ears, the nose, the taste, the smell, all these are something through which I am perceiving this world. All the perceptions are happening. And ultimately, the mind, of course, is there. All the senses brings the perceptions, the suggestions to the mind, and then we perceive. Can I think of any perception without the senses and the mind? It's impossible. So here the sutra says it is possible. There is something called aparoksha anubhuti. These terms are so poignant that you need not have any of these intermediate crutches, intermediate stumps for your perception. There is some direct perception where you know the, that yourself as the self. And when that happens, all the thought ceases. Even the thought that I am the Atman, I am the Brahman, you go beyond that. You get identified with it. As Sri Ramakrishna, in very simple words, will be speaking the same thing. That he says that as long as the screens are yet to open up, the play is yet to start, you find all the people are gossiping. They're talking to each other, chit-chatting. Most probably they're talking about the actor the, who is quite famous, who is going to enact the play once the screen opens. So about him, all the discussion is going on. But once the screen opens, the actor is in presence of you. All your discussion, the chit-chatting stops. You're, you're silently, you're now as if observing the one about whom you were speaking, you are just observing and just you want to see the play without any distraction. So every, all the, your chit-chatting has stopped, all the gossiping has stopped. So that is the Vishesha Darshana, where all the chit-chatting, this Atma Bhava Bhavana is also something like chit-chatting in the mind. That stops when the screen of the Prakriti opens up. You go beyond the mind and you see yourself as if just the way a fruit in your hand. Karatala Amala Kavat. So that's the idea which has been spoken of here. Vishesha Darshina Atma Bhava Bhavana Nivritti. So how it happens? That's how the Yoga Sutra will end. 
to give an idea here what it is speaking of what's atma bhava bhavana that when i started my spiritual journey i as if created a new mental module of contemplation dhyanaja nirmana chitta as we discussed in the very beginning of this chapter through my meditation i have created a new mental module that mental module always is contemplating i am the atman i am not this body mind complex i am the spiritual entity i am eternal whatever is going on through this psychophysical existence i am just witnessing i am not a part of it the more you contemplate on this what is this new mental model doing it acts like a scarecrow for all other mental modules there are innumerable vasanas as in the last as previous sutra it has been spoken of all those vasanas are like the birds whom you were feeding for quite long time the morning the bird is to come used to feed them now one day you think i won't feed them anymore enough of it it takes away so much of my time i have some other work so it has become a quite a headache for me so much time is gone so i won't for whatever may be the reason i stop the day you stop you will find the birds have came back they are not going to just desist from coming that as you have stopped giving them grains they will continue coming for days together and you have to persist that in at any cost i am not going to give them any grain because one day after 10 days most probably the birds still coming i give them grain again the expectation will grow so you have to be very patient that's one way another way is you keep some scarecrow then the birds you need not have to just sit there patiently and ignore their presence the scarecrow will just fear just just scare the birds out of your vision so this our atma bhava bhavana it acts like a scarecrow you may say how because all other mental modules all other mental modules innumerable mental modules, they are fixed with the idea they are all hooked with the idea that i am this limited body mind complex suppose just take that that uh, the previous example with which we started the class that you went to a restaurant and enjoyed a delicacy so for that the a particular mental module what 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 how it is uh, acting that i this limited i this limited psychophysical existence is the one who liked that through my senses i enjoyed it who enjoyed this limited i if any i hate anything who hates it this limited i so you will find all the mental modules till now before your spiritual journey starts are hooked with the limited sense of individuality it's just your ego is just like the spoke of a wheel with which all the the spikes are connected you even if one spike breaks the hub of the wheel will still keep all the wheel intact because there are so many other spikes but if i can take away the hub all the spikes will collapse the wheel will collapse all at once and that's the sadhana of atma bhava bhavana when you are constantly thinking i am not the body not the mind not the senses i am the conscious principle i am the witness you are actually contending all 
the, the, your ego, the limited ego with which all the mental modules are connected, all the worldly mental modules are connected. And that's how you can take away the hub and the entire personality collapses. That's the way we can get rid of all the mental modules all at once. We did not have to get rid of them one by one. That is never possible. It's the only way we can get rid of all the desires is by asserting my real nature. It's the only way. However I may fight, it's never possible so, uh, to get rid of all the desires one by one. It has to go ha happen in one go. And once you have got rid of all the mental modules, one mental module is still there. With this, you have got rid of all. What is that? The one which is contemplating on the Atman. When that alone remains, a wonderful thing happens. Your mind has already calmed down. The thousands of desires which were disturbing you, they are no more there. Your mind has calmed down by constantly contemplating on your real nature. Once the mind calms down, it leads to para-vairagya, supreme renunciation. How it happens, what the supreme renunciation means? That even to remain with that one mental module as an individual being, that desire falls off. How it happens? To give a common example, you will understand it. With the, when with the atma bhava bhavana, your mind has become sufficiently tranquil, your past revives. You immediately will find that as you in the life of Buddha, you will find just before his realization, the thing which happened is he started remembering his past births. Jati Smaratva. That's all the Jataka stories are actually the past lives of Buddha, which he remembered just before realization. How it happens? When the mind becomes extremely calm, the past memory is bound to be revived. You may say how it happens. To give a common example, you will understand. Suppose a, in a room in the daytime, you have closed all the doors and windows. You have closed. And now you turn on a projector through which you, just the projector is focused on a screen. And to see the image which is projected on the screen, you on the projector. And you find the screen is now clearly visible. The image, the scenery which you have projected is clearly visible. Now you open all the windows and the doors and the light flows in. And you find that the picture has faded, which was so clear in the screen has faded. What has happened? Is it, is it really vanished? No, it is still there. But the moment you open the doors and windows, the light comes in and this gets shadowed. This, because that light is so strong, it just over, uh, uh, it just uh, overwhelms the light which was falling on the screen. It's no more visible because external life is so strong in our day-to-day -day life. As long as our senses are open, the doors and windows are open, our mind is noisy. It's like you have kept the, the projector is still on. Your subconscious mind, everything is supposed to be visible. But this light has faded away the thing which is projected on the subconscious, on the screen of the subconscious mind. It's no more visible. Close those doors and windows. Make the mind calm with the Atma Bhava 
bhavana nivritti that's that's the way and then what when your mind has become sufficiently calm you start remembering the past and that's what results in extreme renunciation supreme renunciation why you find that the same thing was going on again and again i took the life to be so real my father told me you have to study hard you have to get established in life get a good job or be skilled in some Uh, particular skills and be a proper a good tradesman or whatever it may be and establish in yourself life and then you can enjoy your life that's what we all started our life journey with that idea and we, when we look at the past we see that again and again we were doing the same thing and then old age came we find everything whatever i have my health my wealth is of no use health goes wealth even if it is there i cannot enjoy it when i was young my body was strong at that time the desire for enjoyment was so intense but i had no means and now i have means but i don't have the faculties to enjoy became old if uh, so i just uh, insipid i have don't have that's the way of nature and gradually i find what nature gave me at particular time in abundance it has taken away everything and at last we die alone isolated as if nothing to have nothing to have from the life it has extracted me squeezed me out i wanted to squeeze the juice of life and life has squeezed me out at last and that was going on again and again why it was happening because i was what you say that myopic i could just see what's happening in the near future i never saw what's waiting me in the long run this is the short sightedness my eyes were to certain extent closed i was hoodwinked i couldn't see and it was happening again and again now because of the tranquility of the mind is all this past opens up you see and then you find what's the use of this life as a limited individual being it serves no purpose it is just taking me round and round in the bewilderness of the samsara this results in paravairagya and then we it's very difficult to understand now that how i can get rid of my mind just the way it is almost impossible to explain a small child that you have to get rid of your chocolates and toys as you grow up there are so many other meaningful pursuits you have to leave all this childish thing the child never understands he gets horrified how can there be a life without all this chocolate and toys similar is our condition we think this individual individuality is the something without which we can never think of our existence yes so the scriptures say you need not think of going beyond that individuality but at least you will you can understand that you don't want suffering in life that we all understand well to to transcend suffering this is the practice which you can have don't get attached be detached with a witness that these are all flowing and you find it has a therapeutic effect it reduces my blood pressure it 
helps me to maintain my calmness i like it so when the child you will find is very difficult to explain him some high purpose high higher purposes what we do but we feel that a child should do certain thing but he doesn't like to do we give we tempt them through lollipops so here also the prakriti is tempting through lollipops well do you like hypertension no do you like the lifestyle disease no be detached think yourself as a self and you find it has a therapeutic effect it gives a better qualitative life but at the same time you think i best i want this peace with the individuality but you know that's the thing that's how at last when you mature there's a small child it is very difficult to explain the small child <clears throat> that there is something apart from toys which is meaningful there is something apart from chocolate which is meaningful he has to grow to understand that so here the nature by giving us the lollipop is making us grow and when you have grown now it becomes easily understood it is easily comprehensible we look back into the past we read through this retrospective vision and then you are now mature enough to have that urge to go beyond all sorts of individuality and with that para vairagya the first the in yoga sutra they speak of asampragyata samadhi the sampragyata the word sampragyata means samyak gyana is sampragyana to have the knowledge in totality when i am focused to certain thing the knowledge reveals i have to go beyond that asampragyata that 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 is possible you it can take you beyond that last thought atma bhav bhavana nivritti through para vairagya and that's the idea of nirodha samadhi there's a idea where your mind totally gets what you say that beyond all vrittis it stops as if for the time being and then what happens immediately a revelation happens which all the mystics of the world have experienced we say that all the religions are doesn't meet in any way you say that the our beliefs are so varied our dogmas are varied the doctrines are varied even the idea of heaven is so different our idea of liberation is so different from the abrahamic idea of heaven so different is there anywhere that we say that all the religions can lead us to that ultimate truth is there any way that there can be only one goal to understand that if you just keep yourself busy with the uh, doctrines and dogmas with the academic study of the religion you can never find that unity to find that unity we have to go uh, we have to delve dive deep into the life of the mystics go to the mystics of all the religion all the religions have a mystic culture a culture of mysticism where the religion was no more a matter of belief if the religion speaks of some truth i have to realize it and that realization has taken all the mystics of all the religions to the same unitary experience where all the dualities falls off if the world falls off you alone are the world is no more there and that you who are alone are that also is no more limited with the psychophysical existence you are aware of our existence but it is beyond time space causation 
that amnes is beyond any locality and that's the something which gives you the conviction it is because of ignorance that amnes comes within the bound of maya and projects this world just the way the white light the white light when it comes in association with the prism it breaks into the spectrum of seven colors you remove the prism the spectrum is gone but what remains the white light remains so this because of the paravairagya at last what happens even that thought that i am the atman that falls off for the for a small time suddenly the prism is not there the spectrum has resolved now this results in vishesha darshana the thought is no more there but that doesn't speak that you are uh, just have become totally lifeless insipid no that amnes non local amnes that's the thing which all the mystics of all the realization raj has spoken of aparokshanabhuti it is something through the spiritual practice it takes me there and now the conviction that comes no one can take away yes sri ramakrishna used to say as long as you have not seen the ocean there can be doubt about the existence of ocean but once you have seen the ocean even if the entire world comes and says you there is nothing called ocean it doesn't matter you will never argue you will just say they are all mad i have seen it so realization alone is knowledge it can take us beyond all doubts that's why in the aratrikam song which we sing that's that's what the song the one line the one of the line is very important gata sanshaya drira nischaya manasavan the through this contemplation at last you go to a state where all your sanshaya doubts fall off there is no question of doubt why because you realized drira nischaya you become fully convinced no one can take you the conviction away and then all those contemplations falls off there's no need you are already now established in the religion in in that realization that's why in the upanishads they speak of that state as nativada in mundaka upanishad it is there na ativada we are all speaking in the name of spirituality at present we are all speaking we are all babbling something which we have not realized it's just like a group of people who have heard from a person who have tasted the mango that mango is sweet and it has a very nice flavor and they think that we have understood because they all have tasted something sweet they have all smelled something which has nice is is essence like like smell like rice fragrance and they think this this fruit must be something which has a nice fragrance which gives it the flavor and it's very sweet and now as per their available fund of experience they try to interpret that those words that mango most probably sweet like molasses molasses and it has a fragrance of rose someone says no it has a fragrance of it has a fragrance of jasmine and it is as sweet as honey you see varied opinion all the discussions are going on why all those are inferences among those group of people who have never tested mango but are the intellectuals about the taste of mango among them one accidentally tests the mango someone breathes it 
what he will what will happen to him immediately he will understand the one who told that mango is sweet and have a flavor he was correct but what we understood none of us are correct it's all wrong he himself will go and just light fire to the library where these books of all this uh, taste of mangoes uh, has been described this is of no use so your all your so called atma bhava bhavana stops this this it this all these are all noise now because you have realized you cannot express it but you have experienced it as sri ramakrishna used to say it's just like tasting the clarified butter butter you know the test but can you explain it's impossible so this ultimate realization is something like that you have experienced that's why upanishad's word is very important nati na ativada when you go to that state your words will never your words is not going to transcend your realization what you speak is within the domain of your realization you can words can never transcend so that alone speaks of realization when when you become nativada so that's yes we spoken of but still now it is all ativada even when i have cleansed my mind from all distractions i become a very pure soul constantly contemplating on myself still it is a thought it's not the real self it is just a thought of the self that also is a noise that has also to fall off this common examples of sri ramakrishna you'll find it's not that the way we think it's easy it's not that easy he says when you're filling up a pitcher by submerging it in a pond as long as it is filling up it is yet to full fill up to the brim as long it has not filled up to the brim it is still filling up it makes a noise in the colloquial language sri ramakrishna is saying bhok bhok sound it makes a sound when the water is filled when it is full there is no more sound everything has stopped it has become silent so this as long as you don't go to the realization you are not your entire personality is as if not pervaded by that realization there is ease that noise even that atma bhav bhavana is a noise once you go beyond that then it is silence you have now realized so that's why in response to the term avang manasa gochar when sri ramakrishna used to say what he used to say no 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 why he is avang manasa gochar why is beyond mind he is shuddha man shuddha buddhir gochar both are correct when you go to the realization it is beyond mind but it is the cleansed mind the mind which is thinking of atma bhava bhavana of, of of your own self that's the mind which can take you there so when sri ramakrishna is saying that it is comprehensible with the pure mind he is actually saying something of the way and when you say avang manasa gocharam it speaks of the ultimate goal so the both are that way correct this is the thing which takes you there so it is not in this this sutra is in no way uh discouraging uh, that atma bhava bhavana that is the thing which will take us to the ultimate realization but when you go to the realization this has to fall off in the words of gautam buddha of buddha what very nicely used to say 
no one carries the raft in his shoulder after crossing the river. When you cross the river, the raft is there to take you across the shore. But after crossing, do you ever carry the raft on your shoulder? Its purpose is, is over. It's done. Its purpose was to take you to the other shore. So this Atma Bhava Bhavara is the raft which is there to take you to the other shore of realization, which enables you to realize your real nature. And you are no more in need of the crutch of this body-mind senses. You leave that off and you go to the other shore. So that's the idea. So how the realization happens, that will be spoken of in the next sutra. We will take up the discussion again in the next class. We just read the sutra and just have an overall view of it. And then uh, we will take, uh, we just have a vivid discussion in the next class. What is that? Tada Viveka Nimnam, the 25th sutra of the fourth chapter. Tata Viveka Nimnam Kaivalya Prak Bharam Chittam. Very nice. That Viveka Jnana is something which is like a weight, is like a gravity. Just when you when you are just to be that example we always give, when you are holding onto the branches of the tree, you don't fall. But to fall, no effort is required. You just have to leave the hold, the gravity will pull you down. Similarly, this viveka chinta that I am not the body, not the mind, not the senses. This is like that force which is going to pull you down, ultimately leading you to that liberation. That liberation comes through let go. So once you have attained this savijas asampragyata samadhi, once you have went to that realization, that doesn't mean that you are going to be in that state again, constantly, still practice is required. To give an idea, now with a lot of practice, I can keep my mind concentrated in one thought for some time. And then I find it gets distracted. Why? Because my, at present, my mind is having, is saturated with all those distractions. And somehow with a lot of practice, I was able to keep my mind concentrated for some time. But those distractions which saturates my mind, they come and break this concentration. The same thing happens when for the first time you go beyond the mind. You enjoy, you really understand that, that after all, that you are the self, but that doesn't last long. This, all these concentrated thoughts, this is the thing which is now saturating your mind. All the distractions has fallen off. You have cleansed with the help of Atma Bhava Bhavana. You have cleansed the mind, but your mind is now full of saturated with the Atma Bhava Bhavana. That comes and breaks your Nirodha state, the suppressed state. It is broken. Again, the thought comes, but this is a very pure thought that I am the self. Once you have went to that state, there is no question of falling back. As Sri Ramakrishna, a sutra, the next sutra will speak of that. The Dharma Megha Samadhi, that you become full of virtues. Once you went to that state, you come back, but it is a state of Dharma Megha. That's saturated with Dharma. It's a downpour of Dharma. Why? Because you cannot go beyond that. You cannot fall beyond that. You have already cleansed your mind. But at the same time, you cannot remain in that state because this mind is saturated. So what's the way out? Constantly, again and again, you have to go to that state. You will be pulled back. Again, you go to that state. That way, the Nirodha Sanskara, 
will go on saturating your mind. A time will come when the mind won't be able to come back again, won't be coming back again, unless and until you desire to this state. Now the mind will be pulled back to the Asma Bhava Bhavana, this state. But a time will come when I can decide whether to come back or not, or to remain in that state. It becomes within your control. So that how it happens, it's not by effort. Once this, once you get this Savija Sampragyata Samadhi once, now the mind's spontaneous inclination is towards the discriminative knowledge, which is taking you again and again to that state. And at last that will lead to Kaivalya, where the mind will fall off, never to return back to bind you within this phenomenal existence. To explain this process, we will take many examples in the next class because it is very difficult to understand how to go beyond the mind. To give a common example, you will understand. You know, we did this experiment in our uh, school days, in laboratories, to find out the elastic limit of any metal or any spring. You just take a spring. It's a quite strong spring. You give 10 kilo wet, remove it, the spring again goes back to its original uh, texture, original shape and size. So you increase the weight. A time will come, most probably when you hang 50 kilo, that spring cannot go back to its elasticity. It cannot go back to its original shape. You have crossed the elastic limit. So the mind also as if has an elastic limit. To a certain extent, when you have suppressed your mind from all the thoughts, it is still within the elastic limit. It again comes back with the thought, Atma Bhav Bhavana. But if you can pursue that, that state of suppression longer and longer, it will go beyond the elastic limit after some time. And then it becomes plastic, it becomes a flow, never to come back again. again. So that's the thing which is indicated by the term, term Prak Bharam Chittam. That within the prakbharam, a weight which won't allow the chitta again to come back. Before that, it comes back. Prakbharam, these words are so interesting. Bharam, the weight, prak, just before that limit, where it is, it can come back. It can come back only within, as long as your mind is within that limit. When it has crossed that limit, you can extend the state of suppression beyond that. There is a flow, it becomes plastic, it's no more elastic, and the mind now falls off, rendering you Kaivalya. There's only a few more sutras. By 33rd sutra, this chapter will be over, the Yoga Sutra will be over. So now its journey has already started from this 25th sutra. That how that ultimate Kaivalya, the ultimate liberation happens, ensues, that will be described from this 25th sutra onward. So we will take up. Uh, from this sutra, the 25th sutra, again in the next class. With this, we stop our discussion today. Thank you all. Namaskars.